Thanks for tuning in to the Medivac podcast powered by the Robert Irvine Foundation, whose mission is to support and strengthen the physical and mental well-being of our nation's heroes and their families. I'm one of your hosts, David Reed. And I'm your other host, Christian Myers. Thank you very much for joining us on the Medivac podcast today. If you're new here, or if you're old here, you know what I'm going to say. There's a price for the show. You have to share it with a friend or family member if you get something out of today's episode. We've got some pretty interesting guests today, and we have a very interesting topic that we have not covered before. Uh, so you're going to get something out of today's episode. Yes. Absolutely. Who's our, our guests? Our guests today, two wonderful clinicians. We have Dr. Charlene Godet, or Dr. G. That's her street name. <laughs> and Dr. Michelle Eisman as well. Uh, they both... Uh, they, they do transcranial mag magnetic stimulation and brain research. Am we I do. correct there? We do research. We also do just clinical therapies as well. Okay. TMSs are transcranial magnetic stimulation is one of the therapies that we use. Okay, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. We're very excited to have you guys both on and to uh, discuss this. It's a new topic for us, so we're very excited. It's going to be, I'm sure, a very educational episode, which is going to be fantastic. Let's take it back a few years to how you got started, inspired in this world, and what that education looked like to build up to where you are today. Um, actually, I got started after a head injury. So hmm. I ended up actually going through a TBI clinic, mm -hmm. and that just kind of led into, well, you know, I should be able to do this. So I went back to school so I could be able to do this. Okay, yeah. amazing. So, short and sweet. Short and sweet. <laughs> well, that's easy. This is going to be an easy podcast today then, huh? <laughs> no, I'm sure it's a little bit more complicated of a process than that, but we'll dive into this, the, the details of that a little bit later. Um, and I kind of got into this because my mom has a Charcot Marie tooth. She has mm -hmm. a peripheral neuropathy and she has had many cancers. She's mm -hmm. had a lot of neurological issues. My grandfather was an army veteran mm. and he did have a TBI. He had an amputation as well. Oh, wow. And so neurological things in my family is very common. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So okay. I always knew I wanted to go into neurology and um, I happen to find this aspect of neurology. Mm. Mm. So let's dive a little bit in, uh, deeper into that is what are some of the effects that you saw from that that really like drove home that ability to want to help patients out? Uh, I think that like for both of them, mainly my mom, because I was in there so much for my grandfather, I saw the after effects of him. I just kind of got tired of her going six month visits just to check her for five minutes and say she's fine. But no one really focused on her quality of life. Mm -hmm. um, no one really asked her, you know, how she's doing day to day. Oh, sorry. Should you're I speak fine. louder? You're totally fine. Um, yeah. One second. Perfect, right? Yeah, okay. thank you. Um, no one really asked her how she was doing day to day. No one asked her about her nutrition, movement. I mean, nothing. Mm. Um, and so I, it's almost like they were just waiting for her to get sick again. Hmm. Yeah, so. that, that's a constant thing that we happen mm -hmm. to see, right? Um, it, kind of that medical system is like uh, keeping customers as opposed to practicing medicine. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. Solving the root causes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And it looks like you have something to say on that, that uh, <laughs> subject there. We're, we are on average probably the seventh doctor that most of the people have seen. Mm -hmm. it, it's been as many as 15 wow. um, looking for help. Yeah. Uh, mm. We, you know, we hear, I went to a concussion specialist. They told me concussions, you know, you can't fix them. Um, wherever you are at the end of six months is where you're going to be. Mm. And so the, the level of frustration from what we hear from, people that come in from our colleagues in the field is a bit of a challenge. A bit skewed. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, because you obviously understand that that's not the case. Correct. Right? Is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what, do you, what do you tell those people that, uh, like how, how does that conversation go when they're coming to their seventh, eighth doctor and you tell them, hey, everything that those guys just told you is wrong? And you do. We yeah. say that. And we try to start off generally in a much nicer uh, sure. conversation. Sure. But there are days that you're going to catch where the conversation isn't nice. My, my level of frustration is on my face. It's yeah. in my words. Um, I'm like, that's just a bunch of crap. Mm -hmm. um, let's, you know, see what we can do. And so we do, right? Mm. We're, we're going to look at you. We're going to, we're going to talk to you, figure out what's going on with you. Um, mm. But you're going to fill out a lot of extensive paperwork before you come in because I don't want you coming in if I don't think I can help you just by what I see. Mm -hmm. I, I need to make sure, like, you know, depending on the medications you're on, there are times that your brain can't map. Yeah. You know, you cannot get that neurogenesis that we were talking about earlier. You can't get it. 
if you're on certain medications. Mm -hmm. So I need to know that before you come in so we mm -hmm. can, you know, put a halt to it. So we're not wasting anyone's time or being another notch on, on somebody's I've been to 10 doctors kind of thing. So, so there's medications that people are on that are causing neurodegeneration or just the inability to regenerate? Both. Yeah. Okay. And those are those pretty common? They are. Yeah. Okay. Especially when we're dealing with, um, you know, uh, certain psych meds, mm -hmm. depending on the, the psych diagnoses. Okay. Um, pain medications have become more and more prevalent. Wow. Um, <laughs> no, no, it's all right. Um, so off-label use. And reset. And reset. And say it again. Yeah. Someone, Jesus Christ. Yeah. What is happening? So some of, uh, some of them are the neuropsych medications. Some of them are pain medications. A okay. lot of them are medications being off-labeled used, mm. right? And so when, when you come in and, and we see this whole list of medications, one of the things we do is sit down and say, okay, I know what this medication is. Yeah. Tell me why you're on it. Okay. Because it may not be, I mean, it may not be for the reason that this medication is out. It may be, you know, four reasons down sure. that they have somebody on something. Okay. Yeah. And so medications are a big challenge mm. to work around. I do, I do want to kind of rewind it back a little bit. You know, we're kind of, we're kind of like diving right in into kind of triage, right? <laughs> right. Let's talk about the, like, the, the fundamentals of a concussion, like the traumatic brain injuries, what it is, what that definition in total is, and what you actually do, like with the treatments. I want to see the treatment process, right? And how's that look? Well, one of the big challenges is um, for years, people thought you had to lose consciousness to have a concussion. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we have conversations about is it doesn't have to be a loss of consciousness, mm -hmm. right? And micro concussions are a big thing that we talk about. Huge. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah. right? Because they don't realize that sequela, that compounding as well. Compounding uh, yeah. injuries have made it to be so much of a larger issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then there are several times where they don't realize that they started off with an actual traumatic injury, right? Mm -hmm. An explosion or such. And then the medications they were on and had a severe reaction to caused a secondary one. And then there was a loss of uh, oxygen. That, say they did lose consciousness mm -hmm. and stopped breathing. So yeah. now we have three concussions in a, in a period of 24 hours. Wow, yeah. And none of that was uh, put down on a chart. This wasn't, you know, it, it was just a blast. It wasn't, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. it was, it, they're treated so... And so first we have to determine how many are actually concussions yeah. because oftentimes there's a lot more than they realized. Mm -hmm. So once we make that determination, then we can go from there and start, you know, looking at you going, okay, what else do you have? And more importantly, what are your goals? What do you, what do you want to get out of this? Yeah. Right. Can we help you with that? Is it somebody's labeled you as PTS yeah. when it's actually TBI, yeah. right? Um, or vice versa. So it's, it's, establishing what's actually going on with someone. Um, and, and the other thing is to make them make sure they know that you're not crazy, right? Yeah. You're dealing with these things and they're, this is a true issue. Mm. Um, despite how many people have said it's not a big deal or at this point you just live with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that is so true. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong here, but a lot of the research besides like we talk about the war machine and how it has advanced medical research quite a bit. Um, but the uh, micro-concussion research was the NFL, right? Is that where you saw a lot of that new kind of well, information come out? Actually, there's a systematic review out, I think it was like 2014, 2015, that is trying to kind of coin, we talked about this, like concussions to be more diminished brain resilience syndrome. And they actually compare in the veteran community and in civilian community, how the prevalence of mild traumatic brain injuries, which is the same thing as concussion, but <laughs> yes, not such a veteran anyway. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but just tapping on the table, you know, just yeah, got to keep that rhythm. Yes. <laughs> Anyways. So they do uh, compare um, mild traumatic brain injuries, which is the equivalence of a concussion okay. to uh, moderate and severe, and they talk about how the prevalence of it is so much higher. Mm. And we're actually, as a society, doing very good with moderate and severe, which is what everyone traditionally thinks about. Okay. Um, oh, you have to have this like very traumatic injury and land in a hospital when you really don't. And they talk a lot about the reason it, for it being is because metabolically, as people, we're not very sound. Mm -hmm. 
So we're already not eating the right things. We're surrounded by toxins, by pollutants. And so when you do experience a concussion, the ability for your brain to be resilient against it is a lot less. Mm, That makes sense. Yeah. Which is why we see more now than we did, say, 25 years ago, okay. right? Because we actually did have sleep, different sleep patterns, different lifestyle patterns, mm-hmm. sure, um, and a whole lot less pharmacology. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's increased dramatically, or dramatically, especially within the veteran military community. I mean, mm-hmm. like we talk about pretty often, as you transition out, they typically give you your big bag of pills and, hey, here's your medications for the rest of your life. A lot of those have conflicting issues. And right. Yeah, they can oftentimes exacerbate some of those symptoms, right? Hmm. Yeah, another interesting one that we were just discussing, being here at this fabulous event, is the uh, chemically induced, right? Chemically Hmm. induced kind of traumatic brain injuries. Hmm. And can you expound on that a little bit? So there are a lot of ways to have a brain injury. Mm -hmm. We talked about the trauma part. Yeah, You can have a chemical brain injury. That can be from a medication that was prescribed, that you had a reaction to mm-hmm. or something that wasn't prescribed that you had a reaction to. Yeah. Yeah. You can have a hypoxic injury where you've lost oxygen for even seconds, mm-hmm. right? You can have a vascular injury. The vascular injuries are things like your strokes, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You can have a viral injury, brain yes. injury, right? So there are so many ways, and that's where that, that compounding comes in that we talked mm-hmm. about is because there were so many things that happened and you didn't realize all of those added another layer to your injury. Mm. And so pharmacology is a huge one for creating injuries for people. Yeah, there's um, uh, Dr. Mark Gordon. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, yeah, he's got, his, he does brain studies. One of the big things that I took away from him was uh, a lot of people with TBI who are taking things like finasteride, which is very commonly prescribed to men, it increases brain inflammation to a point where it exacerbates those symptoms and it uh, leads to- But you could keep your hair. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can try to keep your hair, yeah. But it's, it's something that a lot of men that we're dealing with and there was no uh, rhyme or reason or explanation to it. And uh, I listened to a couple of his, uh, his talks on it and it, I was on finasteride at the time trying to keep my, myself from going bald. But uh, <laughs> but I was experiencing exacerbated symptoms while I was taking it, and I did not realize that it was directly correlated to that. Right. And as soon as I stopped, this was during my transition out of the military, so I was dealing with TBI symptoms, what I thought was PTSD symptoms at mm-hmm. the time, but it was TBI, taking finasteride. And as soon as I got off of it, maybe five to six weeks after, I noticed a, a sharp decline in those symptoms. That's beautiful. Like, well, I should try to avoid this in the future then. Yeah. And, yeah. and those are the things that unless, you don't want to be the fanatical person that looks up every drug. Oh my sure. gosh, these yeah. are the side effects. Yeah, yeah. But you kind of have to be. You, mm. you really do need to know what some of that is. Yeah. Because if you're already dealing with those, I mean, some of the biggest ones we see is, you know, they'll put somebody on medications and it lowers their blood pressure. Yeah. Where they were already hypotensive, right? They mm. already had low blood pressure. So now the biggest challenge that we face is they're going to faint fall and get another brain injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now we're dealing with that, right? Because it's a medication induced issue. And something so. as simple as like Claritin or like an antihistamine that mm-hmm. can an- actually be an anticholinergic drug. No, it's advised. Some people actually advise to take that daily as mm-hmm. a way to get against, you know, having allergies. Yeah. But it, there's actually significant, significant research to point that long-term use can create dementias. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, like she said, wow. it's more so understanding Atrophy. the mechanism and really having a why. Why are you taking this? What's the purpose? And can yeah. you measure the outcome? Sure. Mm-hmm. And you're, t- you're talking about uh, antihistamines. I know there's like, there's different classes, right? And they're mm-hmm. starting to get, get, get away from Benadryl and, and Zyrtec, right? Those are like the, the big ones they're starting mm-hmm. to push off yeah. and, and replace them with more modern antihistamines or are they using more, more natural modalities? Well, there are natural modalities, yeah. Yeah. but they are pushing them to other medications okay. because they see the brain atrophy and some yeah. of the neurodegeneration that it's causing right now. So interesting. It's pretty interesting, too, that these brain injuries could lead to, like, different system responses as well, right? Your sense of smell, like, these kind of things as well. So what are, what are some of the, the kind of commonality, common things that you see, some of the most bizarre things you see? Um, it's just a fun question I have to ask. I think it's a fun question. <laughs> well, for, for us, it makes sense yeah. because we know function drives, like the brain drives all these functions yeah. and it has these things. I think a big one is like an ability to read or comprehend what you're reading. Mm-hmm. Like I have a really hard time reading. 
Mm. Uh, and people attribute that a lot to IQ, which a lot of the time is that you can't actually look at a target or follow a target mm. or skip from target to target because you've had a concussion or head injury. Mm-hmm. So when I say like, oh, in sports, do you remember how you got a concussion, you got to the sidelines and they're like, can you follow this? Mm. Well, everyone sees that and they understand that part, right? And yeah. they're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. I'm like, well, that's why we have to measure your eye movements and that's why you have a hard time reading. They're mm. like, oh, light bulb moment. Yeah. So I'm sure <laughs> yeah. you have a few. Mm-hmm. Well, and just to expand on that a bit, the metabolic capacity. So your body has an ability to make energy, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're a person that reads and 15 minutes into it, you're falling asleep, there's a problem. That's not normal. Mm. How yeah, I, I'm the opposite. Like, uh, it keeps me up reading. And so that is what we strive for, mm-hmm. for so many people. Because for the most part, they're, they're really going to be about 15 minutes and they're falling asleep. Mm-hmm. Because it's so much energy that it takes to read, comprehend, understand, process... All of it. Brain bites. You got it. Yeah. And they don't have it. And, you know, we talk about that too with, uh, and we just mentioned this as well, is like doing multiple podcasts as well. Talking, mm-hmm. engaging, listening. Yes. Uses brain bites. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sweating right now just talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> we can so, talk about some of your autonomic issues. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's because I, you know, as someone who's lost their leg, I don't have a proper, you know, circulatory system, but, you know, you know all that stuff. Please tell us more. <laughs> But that's why I reach out to these nonprofits and ask them to build me pools. Oh. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I I do work um, at a nonprofit as well, and you'd be surprised at the level of outreach that you get. No, I wouldn't. And and entitlement (laughs) as well. I'm sure you get that actually quite often. We do. We do. Um, And and let's talk about um, how it affects our temperament. You know, um, most of us realize that that we have emotions, right? Mm -hmm. And emotions are very normal. Um, but what we, what they don't realize is the ability to have an emotion and the, the ability to gate an emotion mm. are in two different areas of the mm. brain. Neuropathways. You got it. And they have to be able to communicate. Yeah. And when they are not communicating, you are in fact having emotions that you should be having. Mm. You just aren't regulating them to the situation that mm. you're in. Sounds a lot like post-traumatic stress. Can you believe? <laughs> oh my God. And so there are a few things between TBI and PTS Mm -hmm. that are overlapping, right? Mm -hmm. But there's only about five of them. Mm -hmm. But that gave the VA enough to say it's the same condition. Mm. Uh, Of course. Right? So they put it together. When it's not, right? If you work on someone's TBI, will their PTS improve? Yeah, small amount. Because there's a few overlapping symptoms. Mm. If you work on PTS, will their TBI improve? A small amount Mm. because of the same overlapping systems. But fixing a TBI will not fix PTS, and fixing PTS absolutely will not fix a TBI. Sure. They need to be addressed separately because they are separate conditions. Yeah. Right? Interesting topic. We, we do talk about this, too, is, and, and I like to look at it as, as like post-traumatic stress, shell shock, right? Right. During, after Vietnam, we really start diving into the research in it, and now it becomes the focal point in the beginning stages, and now we're really seeing the TBI research being like, oh, this is actually might be a little crazier, right? Mm-hmm. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. So the TBIs actually set you up for mm-hmm. PTS mm-hmm. because the brain isn't functioning the way it should. Sure. And so you no longer can filter and process the information that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. So it it is not uncommon for people to have been diagnosed through the VA to, for them to have been diagnosed with PTS and then not have a TBI rating, although they talk about their hard landings, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. My helicopter landed hard and rolled yeah. a few times, right? <laughs> Used that, a piece of equipment that I was only supposed to use a few That's times, right. but yeah, too. You know, <laughs> yeah. Used it for you, stuff rounds that you're only supposed to fire six a day and <laughs> yeah. you're ending up firing 23, right? <laughs> that overpressure. And I got right. nauseous afterwards, but it was fine. Yeah, yeah. it was fine. My yeah. ears are only bleeding, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we, used to, we used to sit in the back of the helicopter and we'd have 50 cals on the side, but if you're instructing... The barrel would be right in front of your face while somebody's shooting, and you could feel it inside of your teeth every pop, 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 pop. Dear God. Yeah. Micro concussions, hundreds and hundreds at a time, just boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Head, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which you could heal if given the right circumstance. Sure. However, it wasn't. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and they don't necessarily, in the military, at least on active duty, they're not extending that, right? If if you're raising your hand for some some of those issues, it's usually they're showing you the door, right? And and you're kind of left to your own devices because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, 
you guys are kind of at the leading forefront of this. What are you seeing the VA implement as far as uh, addressing the issues, discerning between the two, right, PTSD and TBI, first of all, discerning between the two, but addressing them individually? Are, are we seeing strides? Are we seeing progress at all? Or is it kind of a slow trickle right now? We're not seeing any strides with it. Oh, um, no, it's a zero. Because they, they're still rating it together. Yeah. They yeah. Don't, you don't actually have to address it separately if it's yeah. together. And so we, we don't see a lot of it. Not a lot of cohesiveness in between practitioners. Sure. Because you do have different practitioners and different practitioners practice differently. Mm. And so some practitioners um, discount it. Some practitioners may acknowledge it, but don't go further into it. Hence seven doctors. Yeah. Seven doctors before they typically come to a specialized program. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, going back to temperament as well is, is you see, you know, the way a lot of military members outlet themselves and they use that kind of anger-driven response. So is that something that you're seeing quite often? Is that just high stress reactive mode constantly turned up to 100? Yeah, well, and you know, to be fair, you've lived like that for so many years. It oftentimes scares people to all of a sudden not have that. Yeah. So they'll have a day or two of just that down, and then there's fear that comes in. And again, the frontal load's not there to gate that fear. Yeah. Yeah. So then they, they have to do something to put them back into what they feel is normal. It's not normal, but it's normal for them, mm-hmm. right? So they do some activity that brings it all back up. Mm-hmm. And even if, if that's getting mad, right? They get that back where they need it to be because they're used to that cortisol yeah. level being high, mm-hmm. and they're used to running really up here, so if you drop them down, it's there's there's fear associated with it. Yeah, I mean it, it is something that we talk about. You know, at our foundation is these invisible wounds, right? And you know, I, I have a very physical injury, so people, you know, if I had a traumatic brain injury, they assume, oh, you know, he's just a crazy veteran. He's fine. <laughs> but you know, when you don't have, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I do. That's why you get it all the time. <laughs> But, you know, when you don't have those physical injuries right. prevalent, you all of a sudden start roping them into just a mental health mm-hmm. nutcase, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's not the case as well. So you have, you know, these people who don't want to open up about it right. as well. And then they get that anger-driven response. So I guess what's the workaround that we find, you know, when, when we have that patient in the room saying, you know, oh, man, it's been seven times, no one's helping me. You're getting frustrated. You're feeling defeated. You don't want to admit it, right? Because it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. How do you fight that? Well, part of it is we get to see it on the paperwork. We already know it before you come in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the questions we ask are because we already know the answers. I need to see if you're willing to have that conversation with me yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes you're not. Sometimes it takes you two days. Sometimes sure. it takes you three days. But generally, by the third day, you're ready to have that conversation. Yeah. Hey, doc, did I tell you this? No, you didn't tell me that. We call them the OBTWs. Oh, by the way, Doc. Oh, by the way. <laughs> oh, by the way. And I'm like, no, we didn't talk about that. Let's talk about it, mm. right? And so by the end of the program, you already know that I knew, but you waited to tell me, and that's okay, mm-hmm. right? We have, to, we have to build that relationship yes. because you've been to several docs and you don't have that um, trust that anybody's going to be able to. So by the second day when you're starting to feel better and by the third day where you're, you come in with that look on your face, there's no way I could feel better mm. on day three. What's going on, mm. right? That's when you're ready to start talking. You mm. want to know some. So that's one of the, the things that we have to deal with. So we ask on that initial exam, what are the two emotions? Because I know there are, right, at least. What are the two emotions that you feel like you bounce back and forth between? Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes it's apathy and anger yeah. or anger and sadness mm-hmm, yeah. or, you know, anger is almost always in there though. Yeah. yeah. Typical and response. I feel like we do a pretty good job at like relating, even if they're not comfortable talking about it. Like when we have their diagnostics, we do a pretty good job at relating it back to just brain health in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a good point to make too, because I feel like, sorry, a lot of social media people are posting about these things yeah. and dysautonomia and concussion. And they're like, my God, and now I have this, and now I have that, and now I have yeah. this, and it's like label, 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 label. Hey, well, MD docs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all like it's all related. We're yeah. talking about functional systems, yeah. and if one part of a system is not doing well, the other part of the system isn't doing well. Mm-hmm. 
and we, what makes more sense that you're going to go throughout your whole life without ever bonking your head or having a perfect brain or that throughout your journey, you're going to have times in which you're going to have optimal brain function. Mm -hmm. You're going to have times you're going to have suboptimal brain function. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that when they talk to us about the issues they have and we relate to them, this is how it relates to your daily life. And we show them, and this are the functional issues that you're having and how it relates to that. It takes some of that fear out because it's like, oh, I'm not like an odd case. Like this is just my brain health and I just yeah. should take care of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think that's something that a lot of people miss, uh, especially when addressing doctors. And I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure you might agree with this is people will come to you and if they have a physical symptom or a physical issue, they'll tell you straight up, my, my leg's broken, my knee hurts. Mm -hmm. if they're having mental health issues. They, they're more reluctant to bring that up. Hey, I, I am having depressive episodes. Hey, I'm having manic episodes, whatever it is. I think a lot of people, and I'm, I'm just applying this. Uh, I think a lot of people relate uh, mental health with a broken self, mm -hmm. right? A lot of people think that their thoughts are themselves or their brain is, is who they are. They don't realize that it could still be a physical symptom that is causing these shifts in, in your mood swings or your Absolutely. temperament. Is that something that, am I right there? Yeah, I see it. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, that's that whole, I feel crazy. Yeah, you know? yeah, of course. And that's the statement we hear the most is, I just, I want to say thanks for not, for, for letting me know I'm not crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and if, we can, if we can show you what part of the brain affects what, yeah. right? If I can show all of that to you, Half of what you get in the clinic is education. Mm, You're educated yeah. about your brain. So mm. when something is starting to happen, right, that emotionality is coming up, you have an, an, a moment to step back and say, okay, I know why this is going on. Mm. Whereas before there was fear because now you thought you were something was crazy. So, so you were being weak or whatever it was, right? Yeah. And so now you're like, no, I'm educated. They yeah. actually educated me on this and I know what's going on. So I either, one, find somebody to help or mm. two, I do some of the things that we, we talked about when we were in clinic, okay. right? So there, there are tools. Okay. You're going to go away with education mm -hmm. and tools to be able to move forward with this. Mm. Yeah. Because you can't fix everything in a two-week time frame, sure. but I can get you on the road to things, right? I can help you get to the next step. Yeah. It's not a fix it, right? It's not a... a it's not a one shot, yeah, right? It's not a one shot fix, right. yeah. Yeah. And you know, the military at that aspect is even more, you know, skeptical to approach their leadership for this as mm -hmm. well. We see this across the board because you would get fired. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially, you know, we had a, a, a guest on, his name's Keegan, aka Smurf yeah. pilot who Smurf. ejected Aww. ejected out of um, fastest naval ejection in history, survivable, right? And uh, he like, how can you go to your leadership and say, hey, you know, I'm kind of struggling with this right now. And they just revoke your, your ability to fly. Absolutely. Right? So, so now these people compounding effects over years and years of service. So I, I just want you to elaborate on the fact that this is not good for you. <laughs> and that's, that's my terminology for it. But isn't that true? It's like now we have 20 years of service that we haven't addressed because our leadership wasn't educated. Right. Enough. Well, and, and you look at somebody like Keegan and then you say, okay, the military's put this much time, energy, and money into him. And yeah. if they're going to cut him loose, what are they going to do to me? Right. Yeah. And so that is where that fear comes in. And that is where the compounding of 20 years has come in. Yeah. And had this been handled, um, one of the things that, you know, would be our goal is to, to be able to get people when they, these happen in service. Right. Yeah. But at the very least during that transition period, so you're already having a hard time transitioning from a very mm -hmm. rigid world, mm -hmm. right, into yep. what we call the civilian world. Yeah, where, the free you, world. There it is. <laughs> I don't know that that's it, but we're going to call it the civilian yeah. world. <laughs> Shit. <Yeah. laughs> um, and so there's a, that huge transition to begin with. And if you do not have a fully working brain to, to its optimal levels and you're having to deal with what is lesser to you in, in this world, mm. it creates a lot of not just animosity, but a lot of anxiety, sleepless nights. You just, you don't understand this world and your brain isn't helping you, Yeah. right? And that, I mean, that is also training you as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, that anxiety, that stress, it's all- It's all plasticity. Good. Yeah, So that's like right. essentially, no, it's not good to keep this stuff quiet. You yeah. have to get help yeah. because your brain doesn't understand good or bad. It just understands yeah. do. Yeah, and, and, so, and the brain is lazy as shit as well. You know, it's just like <laughs> shortcuts galore. So then you're just like, true. let's shut down that highway. Let's shut down this one. Let's, 
you know, that's how I brush my teeth and that's the only way I do it, right? <laughs> yeah. If it had the energy, I think it would take less shortcuts. Yeah. But yeah. most of us do not have the metabolic capacity to do the things yeah. we need to do. So yeah. it goes into survival mode mm. and it's it's going to take point A to point B and it's not it's That's not it. taking the long That's way it. around. Mm. So know? let's talk about preventative things that you could do along the way that might prevent this, might prevent you from needing to go to your leadership and saying, I can't fly anymore. You know, something we would love. <laughs> <laughs> yes, tell us. Is if people would really focus on their metabolic health. Mm-hmm. No, do you really need that Pepsi? Like, do you, could, could you really not substitute it for a better drink? Like yeah. you make that one change a day and I know it, there it is. That's And what she means by Pepsi is as monster, right? Yeah. <laughs> the energy drinks yeah. that, yeah. that are Perfect. really actually the neurodegenerative stuff that we were talking about. There's one of it, right? I mean, when you're dealing with these energy drinks, it's, it's giving you some energy, but if you look at the rest of the ingredients in there, it actually is neurodegenerative. So you're just breaking it down okay. one drink at a time. So right. yeah, metabolic health, metabolic out processed health, sugars, sleep hygiene, yeah. something simple. Sure. Like you may not have control over a lot, but you really do have control over what you consume yeah. and mm-hmm. how you prepare yourself for nighttime. You know, Absolutely. are you yeah. putting yourself in a deficit? A great segue into alcohol. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The original nighttime sleep. Yeah. Right. Oh, boy. <laughs> Grandpa's cough medicine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so you know, alcohol really emphasizes these effects as well. So one of the challenges that most people don't realize with alcohol, so you use it to go to sleep. And in fact, it does help some people at certain quantities sleep, yeah, right? Sure. It gets them to sleep. But what they don't realize is because of the increased amount of blood sugar, right, or sugar that's in mm-hmm. it, you spike your blood sugar, which is where you get that anxiety and mm-hmm. the heart rate starts to raise. And then it drops through the floor, when your blood sugar drops at night, your brain is all about survival, okay? Yeah. It can care less if you have legs, but it surely wants to survive, mm-hmm. right? And so what is it going to do? It's going to wake you up. So now you're not getting that restful sleep. Mm-hmm. You're going to wake up because if you don't, the brain is saying, hey, listen, I'm going to go into a diabetic coma. You got to give me some, right? Yeah. So it wakes you up because when your brain wakes you up, it elevates cortisol. That's the hormone for it, right? Mm-hmm. Cortisol always, without exception, elevates blood sugar. Mm. So how do we get your blood sugar up? We wake you up. And then what do we do? We tell you to go pee. Why do we tell you to go pee? Because I need the insulin to come up, Mm. right? And you have to have insulin in the the muscles to get to the bathroom. This is how we wake you up, right? So you may go in there and have three drops come out and go, seriously, I I got it for this. And then you Mm -hmm. go lay back down, but your blood sugar's up. It's not down, right? You fall back to sleep. And it goes down again and your brain wakes you up and says, go to the bathroom again, right? So this is where you get this up and down thing yeah. all night. So it sounds good because it, it turns your brain down so you're not having that perseverative thought, whatever's yeah. in your head, mm-hmm. and you get to sleep, but it will not keep you asleep. And long term, it's, it's very destructive. You also don't get restorative sleep. So something that's also very popular right now is heart rate variability. Yes, yeah. So you'll see how a lot of brands like Whoop and Aura are totting themselves to X amount of people with Whoop and Aura have quit alcohol because they actually can see the trending patterns yeah. of mm. it's not getting sleep. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But it's a neurotoxin. Yeah, true. And I could see where the correlation between seeing if it's PTS and TBI comes into place too, right? Mm-hmm. I can't sleep because, right, I'm going through that yeah, that post-traumatic stress, mm-hmm. those symptoms there. So do you, you kind of see the commonality there of like, you see a patient really believing that it's PTS and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, boy, we treat it with this program and, and they, lo and behold. So sleep is, I think, the thing we hear about the most and the soonest. Yeah. Generally, we've mm-hmm. changed someone's sleep within about 48 hours of coming into the clinic. Okay, and I would say that's a better part of patients. Uh, I should come see you. <laughs> I think we should talk about yeah, that. We yeah, we should hang out. <laughs> there she is. There, <laughs> yeah, there she did say. Uh, without sleep, nothing else works. Yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. So we can do the best work in the clinic, but if I can't get you to sleep, yeah. it, I mean, it's, it's the basic foundation for mm. your brain to heal. Yeah. Because yeah. your brain only heals when you sleep. Yeah. It does not heal during the day. Sure. Right? Or when you're awake. <sighs> So we've talked about prescriptions, we've talked about temperament, alcohol, 
let's dive into memory and recall. Let's do it. Let's do it. So, uh, I mean, you experience these types of brain injuries. And I, I mean, I, I went through my experience when I stepped on an ID. And at first, like, it was very difficult for me to memorize what was in front of me. So now we're talking about a separate area of the brain, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about yeah. that, that. We switched. We did. Talking about that, <laughs> that hippocampal areas over here. So You weren't expecting this level of podcast where you, <laughs> absolutely. you thought we were going to be. Snapping jokes and being bros, <laughs> <laughs> chugging beers. So we're gonna do that later. You said, yeah. okay, yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, so memory is is very dependent on sleep mm. first, right? Memory is also dependent on multiple areas. So we have primaries and we have secondary parts to memory, and there's a bridge that has to connect those two. And so when when a memory comes in, it has to go into both areas, send a message back and forth going, I got it, you got it, okay, lock it in, so now it's locked. That's right. Okay, you got it. Corpus callosum, got it. Yes. And so once we, we have that, then we know that's in. So then how do we recall that? Well, there are a lot of different ways to do it, mm-hmm. right? And unfortunately, sometimes memories get stuck. So I, my best example is, is a Rolodex, right? You take this Rolodex card and say it was the IED, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the term IED over here, and then everything that happened at that day, the sight, the smell, the, the feel, the everything is on that card. Mm-hmm. And so then it's filed in your brain. Mm-hmm. Even if it's inappropriately filed, it's still filed. Mm-hmm. And so when one of those things happen, it pulls that card and all of that comes back again. Right now, it's inappropriate that it's filed that way, but that is how your brain filed it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there are things that you can do to dissociate those. Right, pull it apart, refile it, get your brain to say, "Hey, I'm not going to forget about this, yeah. but I'm not going to have all of this as a trigger anymore. Yeah, That's an event." The responses, that it, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, in the clinic, we use smells a lot mm-hmm. to lock a memory. And we use smells to pull a memory, mm. right? Yeah. And so this is something we talk to students about too. If you want better test scores, these are some of the ways to do it. Yeah, and smells. we both uh, use this. I mean, what do they? <laughs> you know, I forget the terminology for this, but this is um, you know situationally, right? We chew when we chew gum when we study. Mm-hmm. We chew gum when we take the exam. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So that does a couple of things, though. Chewing gum puts you in a rest and digest state. So that's mm-hmm. bagel tone. Paris. You got it. So we're just we're just really. Uh, going into your parasympathetic state, mm. getting you all rested out. Mm. And then if you're chewing the same gum with the same flavor, now that's where the pulling of the memory mm. comes in. But both of them put you into a very restful state. Yeah. What, do, what do tests do to us, right? Stress us out. They stress us out. They cause a very mm. sympathetic response, which means that cortisol is coming up mm-hmm. and your brain doesn't need to answer test questions when cortisol is ramping. It needs to get the hell out, right? That's what it's supposed to be doing. Fight or flight. flight. And so the gum is going to help you keep all of that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you can use taste, you can use smell. Smell is the one we use the most in the clinic though. Mm. Interesting, interesting. Memory does tend to get better. I would say the only things we've seen, the only things we've seen um, is if we have a person that their memory wasn't 100%, it's usually because they have to, then we do a referral. Mm-hmm. Hey, is there something that you haven't processed that you need to go work yeah. out with someone else? Yeah. Um, because it's kind of like a box of chocolates. So if you're going to suppress, and a lot of the times like, oh, I lose my keys, my wallet. Well, if you're going to be good at suppressing your memories for something big, your brain doesn't care. It's just going to suppress that too. Mm. But also different areas of the brain are correlated with different uh, memories, mm-hmm. working memory, long-term memory, short-term memory, procedural mm. memory. So the cerebellum, which is a hugely chemically sensitive area of the brain, yeah. which is fine motor coordination, has a lot to do mm-hmm. with. Uh... Perfect. Hold, hold off. Okay. No worries. We'll edit that in post, yeah. so it's good. So I want you to, to just re, um, like, kind of restart. Go back into character. No, no, no. You could just You're totally start where fine, you Michelle. left off. That's all. Yeah, Michelle, can you uh, move your mic kind of in between you and Dave? Uh, other way. Yeah, just shift it that way. It's going to be really hard to edit. Uh, no, no, just just move it to the right a little bit. Just, yeah, face it to the right a little bit more. The mic. Yeah, other direction. There you go, like that. Just so okay. when you're, you're facing Dave. Yeah, sorry, it's hard because the mic's over here and you're over here. So I have it's okay. To... Don't, don't worry about it, though. Yeah, no, 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 don't worry about just it, too. And then, yeah, you're, you're kind totally of fine. speaking because your mic will pick yeah, up on it, her. So yeah. it's weird. 
It's weird. It's just but it's easy. That's why we have editing. Thank you. And it's great. That's why we use two cameras. Yeah. <laughs> totally fine. Because they're going to just awkwardly look at us for 30 seconds. No. Got it. Um, okay. So right where you left off. You ready? Yeah. So um, basically the cerebellum is a very chemically sensitive area of the brain, mm. um, but it is tied with some cognition and memory. Mm-hmm. So something we can do too is with diagnostics, hey, it looks like this area of the brain's not doing very well. Cognitively, we see how that can affect. Mm. Physically, we see how that can affect. And so that's another way that we work with memory too. Yeah, it's not always emotional. Right. Uh, it okay. can't be physiological. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So getting people to move oftentimes will help. Mm-hmm. And, and we've all done this, right? You pick up your phone and you stand up and you start walking around to have a conversation. Every Makes time. you think better, right? <laughs> yeah. That movement is helping. Yeah. And so we can use that. Asymmetrical training as well, mm-hmm. right? It really helps with this is, you know, if you're going through a brain injury, pick up the guitar and learn how to play. It, Absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. So what are, what are some challenges there that you uh, maybe give patients uh, along the way? So take something that you do every day mm-hmm. and do it new, right? Mm-hmm. Do you brush your teeth with your right hand? Great. Brush them yeah. with your left. Yeah, I do that right? all the time. I'm just like, you know. <laughs> and don't do I'm this a, in. I'm a, I'm a weirdo though. Yeah. I'm doing it in public, but I'm you like, know, I'm if you eat my with brain. your right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> training my brain. <laughs> Please do hey. that in the mirror. I want you to yeah. say that in the mirror do when you you're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but, so we give them tasks that they do daily. We yeah. just make them do it in a different way. Okay. Your brain wants. It needs, especially for dopamine, right? It needs you to do something new. And so learning music, learning a new language. One of the papers we were reading recently talked about, you know, which languages are primarily left brain and which languages are right brained. And if you're primary one side, then, you know, uh, start working on the other one. And so. The MRI is an incredible piece of equipment, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I I do want to mention something. We actually had someone. This is very, I think y'all are going to find this interesting. You know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. We had someone that had some, a form of, of an aphasia. And okay. so had a very difficult time with communication. Yeah. Did not know that this individual had a second language, which was Spanish. And so when we spoke Spanish, because I, I speak Spanish, yeah. I was very fluent. Mm-hmm. And so one of the ways that we helped him was we found these papers that talked about the different networks that are involved in Spanish and mm, English. Yeah. And so through his Spanish, we started then converting it to English to help with that oh, aphasia on the English side. So right. interesting. So that just jogged my brain on that. Yeah, I was going to mention probably G- Germanic versus Latin-based languages, right? right? Yes, that's, completely. That's totally right versus left. You have yeah. very structured versus very flowy and artsy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, uh, the love language. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's very interesting. <laughs> very interesting too. And I, I know this might be like off on a little bit of a tangent, but when we talk about these, you know, people retiring, mm-hmm. right? And all of a sudden they stop what they're doing. Right. Right. And I just, I just have to hear it, like dive in a little bit about that. And they die within the year. Yeah. And they die. Yeah. Or, you know, their significant other as well, right? We stop challenging ourselves mm-hmm. and we, we stop learning. And I think right. that's the biggest thing. We start, stop exposing ourselves to new things. So our neural pathways start shutting down. And that's why we have black spaces in our head during Alzheimer's and all this stuff. Right. Right. Well, it has, I, in my opinion, it has more to do with purpose. So yeah. you've had a purpose every day for your life, mm-hmm. right? You've gotten up, you've yeah. taken care of your kids, you've gone to work, you've done all of these things. And now you're in retirement. Mm-hmm. And I actually had one of the neurologists we work with he said to me, you know, he, he was going to some conference. I was like, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm going to a woodworking conference. And I'm like, okay. Mm. He says, I'm preparing for retirement. I was like, all right, tell me a little more about that. And that was where the conversation kind of opened wow. up. Yeah. He said, this is the reason these things happen to people. And I said, well, you know, I've read the papers. I understand that part of it, you know. And he said, but purpose is, is a big deal. And yeah. so I'm finding my new purpose before I retire, so it'll be a smooth transition yeah. for me, mm, right? A smart person. And so yeah. that is a conversation we've had with, I, I don't even know how many people at this point, because, mm. you know, even family members, right? You need to have something to move into, yep. right? Having that dead space is just that. It dies in the brain too. Yeah. So mm. you need to figure out something that brings you joy, yeah. right? If you worked at a business all your life and you didn't enjoy it, how about you find something now that does bring you joy, Absolutely. right? In your, in your time. So- you have to keep things activated, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Activation is 100%. That's getting up and walking when you're on the phone, right? You need yeah. movement. You need activation. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, you need purpose. 
Got to get out yeah. of the bed for something. The brain's hard. <laughs> oh, boy, right? Isn't the brain hard? Uh, it, it's like all, all these tips and tricks, right? And it's funny enough is, is you know, people retire out of the military at a young age, too. Very. Some people decide to just say stay sedentary, like off to the woods and stuff. Pick up a guitar. Pick up mm-hmm. some sort of hobby where you're challenging that left and right, you know, mm-hmm. and you, you got to stay active mm-hmm. as well. And that, I mean, that, that's a big thing too. So purpose is, oh my God, it's a subject that we touch on all the time, yeah. especially um, when you're abruptly stopping your career right. in the military. Especially when it wasn't your choice. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And that happens in the civilian world too, but it sure. definitely happens in the military, right? Yeah. And there, there's a little, it's, for you guys, it's a little different, right? Because you gave all of this, right? You, you signed the paper and, and you, you made the decision and somebody yeah. else cut that short for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's a, there's a level of anger that comes into that, right? Sure. Um, betrayal, there's, there's fear. There's, there's a lot of stuff that yeah. we see when you guys are, are in that transition that wasn't your choice for transition. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Before we get uh, too far away and, and run out of time, I, I want to talk about uh, the modalities that you guys offer the, and, and specifically about TMS. So we've not really discussed trans, transcranial magnetic stimulation on the show before, so I'm very interested in how exactly that process goes and, and what it's actually changing within the brain. You want to start? Uh, sure. It's a magnet. It's a big, um, mag- it's big old magnet? <laughs> yeah. Not to be, I say that just because that. a lot of people confuse it with electroconvulsive therapy and that oh, is yeah. not to be confused. <laughs> not the same. Not the same. Yeah. It just changes polarity in the cell okay. and it activates a cell. Mm. So very different. It's meant to activate, not kill cells. Mm. Um, but basically it's a copper coil that goes into a focal point. Um, we have something called a CZ cap that allows us to kind of take um, appropriate measurements of where an area of the brain should be located in your head. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the magnet is then placed on your, your head. Um, it actually has to make contact, so you will okay. feel contact. Um, and then from there, we put our parameters in, depending on what you're coming in for. We have different parameters for people with strokes, um, concussion. Mm. Um, our focus is neurorehabilitation and um, functional improvement. Okay. Uh, we have had movement disorders as well um, that we help with a lot. Um, And our goal is either to activate an area that Mm -hmm. could be for inhibition. So Mm -hmm. if you activate the frontal lobe, it's going to inhibit other things or other, you know, the aggression. Maybe some of the things can help with that. Okay. So um, a lot of the times we utilize TMS as a sandwiched therapy at the beginning and at the end of our therapy. And I think where we defer in are pretty unique is that we don't just do a passive therapy with you because TMS is a passive therapy. It doesn't require you to do an action, yeah, but yeah. we follow that up with actual action. So if we're going to stimulate your frontal lobe with a TMS afterwards, we're going to require you to do active activation of the frontal lobe. Got it. Mm-hmm. And TMS is actually not a new therapy. It's actually been around since 1984. Mm. So the challenge with it is, however, it has been in psych offices Mm -hmm. since 1984. And I don't think they had a very good appreciation for what it does, how it does, and all the things that it can do. And so it just kind of sat dormant for a long time. It's a VA-approved device, right? They are in your VAs. I know because I've been there to visit. Mm, Most of them uh, that Donna and I have seen as we visit are covered and have some um, dust on them because they're not being utilized because people don't actually know what or how, which mm-hmm. just boggles our minds, yeah. right? Because it is an incredible piece of well, equipment and therapy. We have a whole nother podcast on Big Pharma. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know what the awesome thing is? If you're on Big Pharma, you can use it. If you're not on Pharma, you can use it. It mm-hmm. helps either way. Mm-hmm. And so that's the most awesome part of that. That is actually a huge, huge part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't, the only, the only time we have to turn someone away from using it is if they have metal. You can't have metal more than 18 millimeters at the focal point. Okay. And so, you know, um, a plate, obviously. Yeah, um, shrapnel, as long as it's below the eye, we can okay. do it, right? Okay. But if it's up, we can't. So neck down, you're good. Completely. Yeah. Okay. So spinal stimulators, any of it, we're totally good. Good fillings? with fillings are fine. Okay. Right. Because okay. we're more than eighteen millimeters. Because we're on the frontal lobe, mm. we're up yeah. here, so okay. we're more than eighteen from the focal point. Okay. Companies so do a good job at telling you to what are the contraindications. Yeah. Yeah. There are not very many. Yeah. 
So it is, it is amazing. And they're using it bundling with so many other things now. Like we bundle it with a lot of neurotherapy. There are people, you know, on the psych side bundling it with ketamine for depression. There are people, so they're bundling it with a lot of things because if you activate a certain area, right, we're activating that frontal lobe and then we take you into neurotherapy and just get after it in there, then we're really upregulating that. Mm. If you're in the psych and they're, they're trying to build a new pathway in that frontal lobe so we can start to inhibit some of that aggression and stuff, sure. they can do that and then uh, partner it with a, uh, some sort of uh, pharmaceutical that, that can help neurogenesis. Mm. So you activate it, give them the pharmaceutical that, that starts neurogenesis, and now we're building in the area that we specifically want, wow. right? Kind of like also, exosomes, like you drive the therapy where you want it to go. Yeah. Okay. Blood flow, right? Yeah, they're using it with stem cell and exosomes and things very like that. Very interesting. Yeah. So you're able to target very, very specific areas. Very specific. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's, that's incredible. So uh, my last and final question before I, you know, I mean, just bore you guys to death all day, um, is how does it wrap in? How does it tie into this event that we're in today? How do you, how do you connect the dots there and what, what, make, what brings you out? Well, we spend, we work with a lot of nonprofits. Mm -hmm. And so Texas Valor Project, being a nonprofit, decided that they wanted to get into the business of helping other veterans. Mm -hmm. And so they started to put on this event so that they could fundraise for the other nonprofits in the area because they had um, different ideas on what healthcare was sure. than what they were receiving at their VA hospitals. Mm. So uh, they came through, uh, and one of the veterans came through the clinic, started to talk about it, and that small group, and the word of mouth just spread. And so mm. the next thing we knew, those guys were, were coming in with Defenders of Freedom and Coast to Coast, and then Texas Valor, and, and they're all coming in, hey, we want to see what you guys are doing, yeah. right? Yeah. And so everybody did the little test. I'm going to send one guy through. Let's see how it does, right? Um, and then they sent someone through, and there was improvement. And they said, hey, I think we can get behind this. Mm. I think we want to do some fundraising. We want to help people with some non-traditional type therapies since the traditional stuff is medication, and they're not getting anywhere with yeah. it. Yeah, fantastic. Well, that so. is fantastic. So where can we find y'all? Hell, Texas. <laughs> so we're on Resiliency Brain Health or Resiliency BH for brainhealth.com. Okay. Amazing. So we could just reach out. And yep. Yeah. So whether it's social media or just uh, online, you can mm. reach out if you have any questions. Beautiful. Well, yeah. we appreciate the amazing work that y'all are doing. We appreciate and, you guys. Uh, we, we can't wait to go through the program ourselves. <laughs> I think you have to. <laughs> or at least come by and look at the face. You know, before you yes, have that. Yes, 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 yes. The Donna. The Donna. Yeah. Capital D. She got a shout out. There she is. Yeah. Well, thanks so much again for, for joining the show. Uh, what a wonderful conversation. Highly educational, like we predicted. So. Yeah, thank you very much for your time. You said resiliencybh.com. Dot com. Yeah. Head on over to resiliencybh.com. Check it out. I'm sure they've got an abundant amount of resources, and uh, you can reach out to them directly there if you're interested in partaking or learning a little, little bit more. And as always, interact with the video somehow. Like, share. Uh, send this to somebody who uh, they, they might find this helpful. As always, thank you very much for watching the Medevac podcast. We'll see you next time. Until next time. Bye.